Hello and welcome to a very special reunion episode of Time to Say Goodbye. Uh, this is the 29th of November and Andy is back. That's the big headline news. Tammy's also back. Last week uh, she was on a plane back from Korea and as unless this background is made up, I think she's back in her apartment in Brooklyn now. <laughs> Digital um, apartment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we want to give a little reminder that this Wednesday that we have a book club with Jillian Tamaki. This will be oh. the 29th at 8 o'clock Eastern. Um, Tammy is going to host her last pod event with award-winning author and Discord OG Jillian um, on her new graphic novel, which is titled Roaming. And we're going to have all sorts of information and show notes and everything like that to help Jillian with her book and just to get people to read it because we think it's certainly worth reading. Yeah. Do you guys remember at, in the early Discord days when Jillian, a.k.a. Squiddy, mm -hmm. would post all those GIFs in the DJ channel, like GIFs that matched the music? Oh yeah, remember? yeah, that, that was great. Was very cute, yeah. We she had was this. wonderful. Yeah. Someone <laughs> in our Discord very early on when we started it figured out that you could play music and everyone could hear it through their headphones. Right. That and was it awesome. It was this kind of nice thing where people would. I mean, it would go on for hours, and people would just kind of <laughs> share the music that they were into, which was very, very cute and uh, it was, was it heart heartwarming. Mm -hmm. Was it, it uh, twenty four? Yeah, was it disabled for like IP reasons or something? Yeah, do you guys remember when they canceled Groovy? Was that yeah? Is that what was the name <laughs> of the app? Was? Yeah, right. it was Groovy, and then we found like a bootleg one that was called Springsteen, uh -huh. <laughs> and, it, and it still worked. But I think I can't remember what's happening now. Our it's DJ like the, channel has definitely it must be down, some but... it must be some streaming thing it, totally it yeah. was free. Because it was, it was YouTube, using right? YouTube. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so they caught on. And there we were like stealing from hardworking musicians, I guess. But um, <laughs> yeah, then we switched it over to YouTube. I think Springsteen ads, I think. still works unless... Yeah, I think it still works. Anyway. Yeah, I wonder what the original Good source times. of that is. Because if it ends up streaming yeah. from one YouTube or... It's it's Spotify, based on YouTube I still, I think. So oh, they would okay. get like a token from YouTube as a credit for it? I don't know like how YouTube Spotify. does it. I think if you, I, I think it's the idea if you stream it from works. the original channel or something, they get a fraction. Of oh, the I see. Right. Get, yeah. I have no clue. All right. Yeah. Well, Andy is back, as you can hear. Um, How's it going? Excited to be back. It's like there's a good to see you. Again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, here in San Francisco, there's a story going around about how there's do the respiratory illness around dogs that nobody knows what it what is uh -oh. about so that we have dog covid here <laughs> i did dogs. not see that i know Chinese <laughs> dogs. Like, i feel like, like this is a begin the return to our very beginning where we just talked about pangolins every week and now it's dogs <laughs> i know there's definitely gonna yeah i mean yeah eating dogs dog, <laughs> i feel like dog covid would really create a huge panic amongst the population it's definitely <laughs> it might be a bigger panic than human covid here. <laughs> i you think know, so there are a lot of dogs and people feel very protective about them i don't want to make light of dog covid but you know conceptually speaking it's kind of funny like i just kept thinking about dogs at the dog park wearing wearing little masks <laughs> <laughs> 
Totally. Cone-shaped yeah. masks. Yeah. And then like a dog comes without a mask on and all the other dogs are kind yeah. of looking, just looking at it going like, oh my God. <laughs> that dog. Rolling the little dog eyes. Yeah. I know. Trump, Trump supporting dogs. Exactly. Shown up. Or like <laughs> all like, of the you... Asian dogs are masked together in a corner. <laughs> yeah. Don't you trust science? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think dogs can wear masks. That's that was what I ended up. I thought about it because I was going to tweet about it, and then I just was like, Could, "Can dogs actually wear masks?" And then I thought, "Yeah, they probably could." Like those, yeah, those like cone yeah, Andy's N94s. thing made sense with the yeah. cone. Oh, a cone. The N ninety four and ninety five types. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking of the dog cone, but then you would have oh. like a sheath over it, you know? Or the face shield. I still see yeah, some Yeah, exactly. Those. Something like that, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Masking here is not gone, by the way. Um, every I time in... I go to the grocery store, there are people mm. wearing masks. Yeah. And um, especially at events, there's a lot of people wearing yeah. masks. And it's, uh, hmm. look, I don't You should judge probably them. go back to that. What, what was it like in Korea, Tammy? Yeah. It was kind of the same as here, like minority, nope, no very, mi- very, very minority position. Mm. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more on transit, which makes sense just because you're yeah. on the train for so long. But yeah, no, I, it's I a free the, for all. I rode the MTA last month and yeah, it was the first time I saw masks in a long time. Like, yeah. like a lot of masks. Philly was gone. Masks. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think about, I went somewhere and there are a ton of people wearing masks. I, I mean, at this bag. point, I just have extra masks, so I just wear them to get use out of them, like <laughs> use up the yeah. sun cost. Yeah, we have like a closet full of them, <laughs> so if oh, wow. COVID takes over, yeah. <laughs> mutates and jumps to a human host, then right, you know, we'll be You're fine. ready? Yeah. Yeah, we'll be ready. <laughs> It'll cut down my commute time to the beach. Um, all right, so we didn't bring Andy on to talk about dog COVID. We brought him on because there are a few things that we wanted to talk about. And the first part was, you know, relying on Andy's expertise in China and to talk a bit about, because this is something that I have been paying attention to, but not deep attention, but enough attention because I found it was somewhat interesting um, what China's stance on the war in Gaza was, right? Yeah. And I know that that's not a monolithic thing, but I do think that we can say that the PRC, at least, for example, probably has some sort of stance. And then whether that is reflected in any of the messaging and stuff that we've seen. So, Andy, why don't you get us started and just tell us, like, yeah. well, what, what's the general PRC's stance on what's happening yeah. in Gaza? Yeah. I'm not an expert on China. I always feel like I have to play one on this podcast. And usually when yeah, this happens, I just... closest we got. <laughs> Andy, come on. I know. I, just, I honestly just, like, uh, binge, binge articles every time. The, I mean, the stuff that, <laughs> that it seems like um, it's interesting. There's a whole history I didn't know about um, regarding China supporting Palestine, dating back to like the Mao period when Mao wants to be like the vanguard of the third world. Yeah. Um, but that, of course, is, you know, it's like a nice thought. It's kind of nostalgic. And it seems like so uh, in terms of like what's been happening the last month, China has positioned itself or, you know, the party has positioned itself as like. A supporter of Palestine, they have, they did not, uh, they notably, after October 7th, did not call out Hamas by name. They just said, we don't like violence, you know, and as a generality. Um, and I guess some people have said this is a, this is like a change in position regarding Israel. 
Um, I think the underlying. What was a former? Uh, what was a former? How is it a change? What was a former? So role? so exactly. So China basically plays two roles and has like this kind of double faced side, uh, double faced kind of position in the region, which kind of reflects its overall. You know how China has changed so much in the last fifty years. Yeah. On the one hand, it's like vanguard of the global south of the third world solidarity with the oppressed but obviously it's actually now a very like rich industrial technologically advanced society so there's been a lot of as israel has also become this kind of tech booming economy in the last 20 30 years there's been a lot of um investment and technological transfer between israel and china most notably um surveillance technology which is used uh, in Xinjiang, but also just all throughout China. A lot of that stuff, if you dig into where those tech companies come from, a lot are, a lot are Chinese-based, and then a lot are Israel-based, and they kind of just mm-hmm. share technology back and forth, which is... Uh, people have been talking about that for a while, but yeah, it, it's I become like... Yeah, I remember Tyler talking about that, too. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's this, you know, for people who pay attention to things like surveillance capitalism, you know, mm-hmm. that whole stuff. Um, so this has kind of been an open secret for a while. So on the one hand, I think one of these articles put it something like, in recent years, um, China has given Palestine about $11 million in aid, but at the same time, Chinese companies have nearly a trillion dollars of investment in Israel, right? I think it's also interesting that China still sees the need to play this kind of global south, um, this role as like, the leader of the global south. I feel so, like it's, don't you guys feel like it's, okay, Mao position, was able to position himself as with as a third world leader during that period. And right. so the underdog thing makes sense. But in Xi's era, he it's not so much that he's the advocate for the underdogs or the global South, but it's like he wants to represent something that's not the US. And the yeah. thing that's not the US is the Palestinian position. Yeah, for sure. It's a anti, I don't know what you want to call it, anti-Western, anti-US. It's hegemonic, uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, but obviously it's, it's less about capitalist versus socialist countries, rich versus poor countries even, right? It's like Mm -hmm. this very mishmash West versus non-West thing at this point, um, which is pretty consistent with, um, yeah. I mean, the other thing, of course, is like, you know, she she was in San Francisco, what is it, two weeks ago now? Mm -hmm. And the thing that came out of that was actually, it seems like both parties are in much weaker position than five years ago when they were like, or whatever, three years ago, when they were at the height of their saber rattling, like, Right. From the U.S. perspective, you're talking about the Biden she summit right, in San Francisco, right? right. Um, where Biden did say, you know, he is a dictator, but um, I, I feel like <laughs> the Chinese side is like, we just don't want to deal with this, so we're not going to like make a big deal out of this, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, so like the United States, obviously, they don't want to deal with three hot spots, so they'd rather, you know, aside from Ukraine, Palestine, right? So they're just like, let's just make Taiwan not an issue, um, and then the China side. You know, there's just been like endless reporting about how bad their economy is and and so on. So I think both parties, both countries, they're going to pay lip service. They're going to do their like saber rattling thing. Like China, she is a dictator. You know, the United States is a global imperialist power, blah, blah, blah. But deep down, they're probably just like, let's just like not fight. Like, let's not actually have, mm-hmm. let's not have a real fight. Um, yeah, that seems like the yeah. lesson of the last few years, generally, right, since whatever weird uptick in rhetoric i will say she's uh his like his what he said is somewhat you know i don't know i guess maybe it's because we're here but it feels extreme compared to what a lot of u.s politicians are saying right so this was uh 
on, I think it was last week, he said it is necessary to ensure the safe and unimpeded passage of humanitarian assistance and stop the collective punishment against the people of Gaza through forced eviction, as well as turning off water, electricity, and oil. And that it's, you know, this is an article from Al Jazeera, and it's saying that, like, the that through his diplomats, that that there has been much more of a call for some sort of resolu humanitarian resolution mm -hmm. to this than we right. have seen here in the in the states, at least. Uh, right. And that you know, I only see this because all those you know all those accounts on Twitter that are mark Chinese state media, or something <laughs> like that. They've been going wild. You know, they sound right. like a. They sound like college students. Like, you know, oh. <laughs> Are you talking about and, the foreign influencers, not the <laughs> not the Chinese ones, or the like Chen Wen Hua or oh, yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. These, it's like, like these, it's these very the Chinese famous, guys yeah. and the people. But here, there's right? also like the if you're extremely I, online, you know who I'm talking about here, right? Like, yeah, yeah. That that they've been like very, very, very right. ardently pro-Palestine right. about everything. Right. Now right. I don't right. think that like that type of thing really reflects anything about the PRC's policy because I think those types of tags are like ridiculous, right? And probably pretty racist, but um, <laughs> they, uh, you know, it has been interesting to see that there is at least some rhetoric from China that was unexpectedly strong, right? And mm -hmm. so how much, I am actually curious about this idea of like, why why even pay lip service to the vanguard of the third world stuff, right? Like, yeah. why, why do they care? when it's obviously not really that true anymore. Well, they do want to they do want they do want to be the leader of a part of the world. You can call it the third world, you can call it the global south. Basically, you know, belt and road stuff, like investing into development in the Middle East, in Latin America, in Africa. These are also parts of the world, uh, Africa, right? Um, and I would like it'd be interesting to see a map, but my impression it sounds like just kind of like reading around is that most of the world outside of the U.S. and Western Europe are um, quite negative, right, about Israel and and are on that side already. So, in fact, the yeah. ceasefire position is actually not that controversial right. beyond our, like, North Atlantic bubble. And so China's not really taking, I think, it's not really a daring, bold move to call for a ceasefire mm -hmm. um, in that part of the world, um, especially if you want to be that part of that part of the world. Um, but, yeah, China... You know, it's not that they want to be the leader for moral, some sort of morality reasons, although that might be part of it, and some sort of like twisted version of history. I think it's more about, you know, we're not going to, we, China, are not going to win over the US and their allies, but the rest of the world is an yeah. opportunity for blah, 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 you know. Um, and so I think that's always kind of been the strategy for the last, you know, 10, 20 years or so. Um, and yeah, and, th and there's something interesting. I don't know, there's some like unsavory aspects to this whole like China Palestine so called um alliance like the Palestinian Authority kind of in exchange for China's support will say like nothing is happening in Xinjiang, right? Like the concentration camps are Xinjiang is part of China, these are terrorists, you know. So there's like there's sort of like an inconsistency, like providing I think one of these articles put it kind of providing an Arab cover for the yeah. Chinese policies towards their own Muslim groups. Um and and one of these articles is pointing out, you know, the reason China supports Palestine, historically, they would say, well, Israel is just like Taiwan. It's a U.S. puppet state. And so both are bad. And, so, <laughs> oh, wow. and then people yeah. in Taiwan are actually quite pro-Israel from what I've heard because yeah. they're all U.S. Exactly. You know, I don't know. South Korea or South Koreans 
pro-Israel, Tammy? Like, is that the vibe you got? Like, they're just pro-America? Yeah, or? I would say in general, that's safe to say. And really? it's the same, you know, yeah, we we always talk about this, but Taiwan and South Korea already right. always have these sorts of parallel right. positions within right. the U- U.S. hegemonic right. apparatus. Right. So we shouldn't rush to say, like, there's a sort of clear, consistent, you know, progressive yeah. position across these countries. It's all, like, very mixed up and... Uh, yeah, I think what yeah. you guys were alluding to too is just yeah that there is essentially like an international consensus outside of, out of yeah. Western Europe and the United States and maybe Canada, um, you know, against Israel, and you can see that in the way that the UN votes, yeah, the general, totally. you know, but right. also at the Security Council. So yeah, I think it's I think it's fascinating, and um, but yeah, I think like the I was sort of chuckling at just the coincidence of having the Biden Xi summit, like uh-huh. as all this stuff is happening and China's kind of trying to calibrate its Gaza rhetoric. It's, it's then, very um, weird. Very she weird. had the, she had this giant meeting with us, whatever CEOs, but it was like in Hyatt Regency, <laughs> you know, it was like in a, it was like in a hotel. I've been like, like it was academic conference. <laughs> oh, not hotel. A great hotel. It, it wasn't a That's fancy funny. place. And then the, where, the place where she and I, I don't know the place, but someone was commenting. It was like, not a special place. It was like a, the the she Biden summit was like at some private estate that I guess you could like you and I could book else like it wasn't oh yeah no that's this, where like, they held uh, what's it called where is they it? had I've been there that's where they did uh, <laughs> he's been antiques. there too that's hilarious they did, antiques, they did antiques roadshow there <laughs> it's really it is really oh nice God. I mean it's beautiful it's like yeah. one of these gilded age retreats for one okay. of the families I don't remember one of the super famous families had this yeah like retreat it's kind of it's in between san francisco and palo alto basically and it's right. beautiful um but yeah it's you can definitely just walk in there i mean it's not some, <laughs> some heavily guarded fortress or something i know like so they, like... dev- they had uh it was a perfect place for antiques roadshow as well, so. <laughs> <laughs> it was a wonderful for antiques roadshow um yeah, the, the history of this is kind of interesting. It's something maybe I thought, you know, you commented a bit on it. But I, mm-hmm. I I think the question that I was asking before was basically just like, what sway does that have upon the typical Chinese citizen, right? So like yeah. um, in the 1960s, for example, I believe, uh, or I don't know what year it was, but at some point, yeah, in the 1960s, Mao was, uh, they were like arming factions of the PLO, right? Like that was how sort of deep the the mm-hmm. affinity was and that I can understand that in that moment why that was necessary and why it was like a right right what it was like a rallying call we are going to be the superpower and we're going to take down the west right or we're going to take down the big imperial forces in the world um like how central is that to an average chinese citizen at this point you know given that most of them probably weren't alive during that period of time like how much sway does it have yeah. in their lives cuz you know, we obviously also have American myths, right? We have American mm-hmm. type of jingoistic ideas about what Americans do. And, um, you know, one of the, I think, best indicators that America is in decline is that those things hold almost no power anymore, right? Like, I mean, like, do you remember, like, the Gulf War, like, how crazy and jingoistic and patriotic it all was like i mean it was nuts like they would play that song i'm proud to be american all the time yeah. like everybody knew who g- all the generals were right like oh stormed norman schwarzkopf or, God, like, yeah. trading cards about it and uh it was like a full-on blitz of propaganda and it worked right mm-hmm. because everybody supported george bush 
nobody could actually articulate why we were going to war against Saddam Hussein, right? But we're just like, fuck Saddam Hussein, I guess. Yeah. But it worked, right? And now that right. type of stuff can't work at all in any sort of way. I mean, it, it, or it only works on a much, much smaller portion of the population. And so I'm wondering in China, like what a myth, you know, like a sort of self myth like that, right? Oh, we used to arm the PLO, right? Like how, how, yeah. how powerful is that to the yeah my my guess is um most people don't really have an opinion just like honestly a lot of people in the u.s didn't have an opinion until like a month ago either you know like um i think a lot of people in the u.s still don't have an opinion you know they're just like (laughs) i know but terrorism (laughs) you know Um, it's like oh man they're just trying not to get in a fight with their friend right or they're just like kind of like i don't know it seems bad right (laughs) it's complicated yeah it is bad yeah it's very bad yeah yeah. i think i mean i don't know maybe recently like there's been a full-on push on like cctv or something to convince the Mm. to convince people i would say what does definitely has what definitely has an appeal or has resonance is a sense of china against the west um yeah I don't really like China doesn't have this long history like the U.S. does, right, of like intervening around the world and where you're like everyone in the U.S., you know, has an opinion about foreign or like you said, with like the Gulf War, it's a it's a tradition in the U.S. to have an opinion about the rest of the world because we're like an imperial power. Um, And like most people around the world, they don't really have an opinion about what their government should be doing around the world um, because their government because they're not doing anything. Exactly, They're not policing the world. So, uh, but one thing I, I, that is also worth noting is, you know, China had some deal, some brokered some deal between Iran and Saudi Arabia last year, which was like a surprise to everyone. But, um, and, you know, there's like, there's like, no, no one's really sure like what to make of that deal, but it is an indication like China sees like another path forward in terms of challenging the U.S. as um, another broker, right? Another sort of, so it's kind of funny. Yeah. They seem to be like offering their services, to Israel well, didn't and they intimate that during? They exactly. were intimating that during Ukraine Russia as well. Right, that right, they right. Could potentially play a role, although that sort of never happened. Yeah, and like the the involved parties are <laughs> always like, stay out of this, China. Like we don't we don't need you, right? So, <laughs> and I think it might be like I don't know if the Chinese side actually expects anyone to take them up on the offer. I think they're just maybe it's one of those things where they're yeah. like they're bluffing, you know? But they're like, we're here, you know, we are the mature adult in the room. Um, they're like a production services company. Yeah. <laughs> When you make like a documentary, you can hire these companies to come in and they'll hire you all the adults you need to help you make your documentary. So like a line producer and stuff. Right. And they're like, no, right. you're the director. You know, it's your creative vision. We're just here to support you. <laughs> so, and, you know, um, yeah, it seems like China is trying to turn themselves into the world's production service. Or, or at least perform make perform, a show of it right yeah, yeah. yeah. perform yeah, that of... they're willing to do it right um, right i mean that's but... a very powerful position though because that's a position that obviously the united states had for many years right exactly um, so that's yeah. it's all indirectly this attempt to uh i don't know rival the u.s um i don't yeah i don't i think they just want to rival <laughs> you know they just want to like st- like just not lose not lose ground i guess but i don't mm-hmm. think it's like a plan for world domination but they're sort of like, well, when you're a big, rich country, what do you do next? Yeah. You know, start policing the world, start brokering peace deals. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's part of the what. It's part of like the responsibilities that you feel like you have. I imagine, right? Right. Like, well, and they, I mean, just because of China's inc- incredible economy, I mean, they do <clears> have legitimate material exactly. connections to every right. single country in the world. Right. 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 And right. also, so, yeah, and also like 
they're also doing quite a bit of imperialism themselves, right? And so it makes sense for them to increasingly, yeah, to sort of leverage those whatever type of inter, um, international agreements that come out mm -hmm. in their favor. Um, and so, yeah, all that makes sense. But uh, you, it seems like they've been pretty hands off about this, though, outside of basically kind of blandly calling for yeah. humanitarian aid it's to not, come in. It's not the most, I don't think it's the most, obviously it's not like central to the story of what's happening in Gaza. I, I just think it might be, it's like an interesting side story. Andy, did you pay attention yeah. to how Chinese media covered the Xi Biden summit? Because I was curious about that of no. like what the how people saw Xi performing there. Uh, I'd be yeah. I mean, I assume this because the state media they would say it's a big success. Um, I, I I was actually expecting the Biden dictator thing to blow up, but I don't think it really did blow up. Um, I think it was yeah. basically. Mm -hmm. Because, because I don't think anyone wants it to blow because up. I don't, what think, you were saying. I don't, yeah. I don't think the U.S. Yeah. or China want it to blow up. I think, mm -hmm. you know, because like China's attitude towards the United States has not changed because of anything Biden has done. You know, and this is when Biden it was a considered a Biden gaffe, right? And then Blinken was sort of like, "Oh my I god!" Know, right? There's the viral. <laughs> oh Jesus! Shaking his head, like. But like they didn't, you know, like Biden, you know, famously said two or three times, "We're like to fight China over Taiwan." And then that never came up again because it's, again, it's not in China's interest to like pick a fight over this stuff. Um, so uh, I don't know. I, it just seems like the big picture is China knows they have to be a little bit more careful. They're at this kind of turn crossroads, you know, where everyone's kind of predicting their downfall all of a sudden. I don't. I never know what to make of that stuff because I was everyone's always predicting China's downfall. Um, <laughs> Uh, and like the United States is also at their own crossroads. Uh, you know, they have been for 20 years, I guess. So I think both, both sides are just kind of treading carefully. Um, yeah. I, like, again, it's like, it's, it's, it's this interesting thing for like us China watchers, I guess, to focus on um, or us Asia watchers, but um, it just seems so like marginal to like mm -hmm. the, the real shit that's happening yeah. in Gaza. Well, um, I do think it's important in the sense that, uh, whether or not there is a, whether or not there is another world power that can bring exert some sort of influence into this, yeah, into this conflict, right? And yeah. it seems like the second biggest power in the world has decided to just punt and say, like, kind of drape themselves in very lightly in some regalia of the of the past, mm -hmm. but also not say anything and not do anything that might be incendiary or like cause any type of problems right like i mean i imagine yeah. these types of surveillance deals it's not like they all got called off right after october no, 7th no. or anything of like that no but the do you think they're not i mean he continues. is taking positions i mean he has yeah. condemned the bombing he has right. voted against israel in the security council yeah. so there are real things my guess is right. china is actually um how do i put this optimistic about how bad this is going for the u.s if that makes sense like rather than get involved they're, they're saying the right things but i think they are they are seeing like a lot of us are seeing and maybe maybe this is like wishful thinking that the war is really unpopular that this is going badly for the democrats the turn of global opinion and, and, yeah, yeah. and global opinion towards the u.s is declining as a result so they yeah so they might see this as an opening down the road um but they're just kind of, but they're also, you know, as people, are, you know, part part of the notable thing about the reaction after October 7th was that China didn't really say anything because I think they wanted to see what the global reaction was. 
uh, before they said mm-hmm. anything. So that's that's my right. guess about about that. Um, yeah, it, it seems like I don't know. Everything seems to be like collapsing right now around the world. It's so hard to keep up with, you know, right wing elections in Latin America and Italy and. I know the um, one in Argentina is basically like if a debater <laughs> was president of a country. Cancel the central bank. Oh man, that's so <laughs> yeah, we, we can't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we're going to cancel the central bank. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just going to try this. I mean, whatever, for whatever, you know, say what you will, but some very, very interesting ideas are going to be tested out pretty hard. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and are so no depressing. longer going to be theoretical. And it's going to be, it's going to get very, very weird now. Whether that leads to, um, it, yeah. it's almost like, you know, like how in SimCity or some of the, like, uh, Civilization, those Sims. old games, when you do things that are bad and then, like, the country starts getting madder and madder at you, like, the happiness rating goes down. There are, like, <laughs> oh, red man. lines almost immediately popping up everywhere. <laughs> it seems like maybe that's an outcome, but who knows? Maybe the libertarians are all, were right about everything <laughs> all along and maybe it'll be fine. Um all right, so, so let's move on then. Um, I last week we had on while Tammy was in the middle, it was in air. We had on a uh, campus organizer from Columbia. Andy and I both attended Columbia University. Andy attended in a more real capacity than I did as an <laughs> undergraduate, but we both went to Columbia. And what Andy, you're now a professor. This is something I wanted yeah. to talk to you about very quickly, and then we can move on. But like. I mean, as a as somebody whose job it is to shepherd these young children from you know <laughs> young adulthood into their fully formed years, like what, what? How do you? What is your sense of what's happening on campus? Like you know, Columbia yeah. had this unprecedented thing of changing the rules around like how who can gather on the quad. Yeah, I don't know. It's is crazy. that what it's called? Is it called the quad? I don't know what it is. Uh, yeah, I middle, think so. The middle of campus, <laughs> the big flat part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that, and then campus they walk. Be- yeah, they changed the rules, and then they said they told two groups, "You're in violation of these new right. rules that we just made up, and therefore you're suspended." Like that's like crazy shit, right? Like it is, it's like yeah. the type of thing where you just think, "All right, like they're either so scared, or they're so, or they're being so reckless yeah. that." They don't care because obviously everyone is going to find out that you did this, right? There's yeah. no hiding this. Like you, people yeah. are going to ask. You're an Ivy League institution in New York City. The idea that every journalist in America isn't going to try and figure it out because people only really like reading about the Ivy Leagues, I guess. But like, um, like that's not. It's it, it's reckless. Like, what do you think about it? you're you know not just yeah. as a professor but as a Columbia right. alumnus? Yeah. I, I did listen to an uh, episode last week, and before you outed outed the person as a Korean, I could tell they were Asian American. Just yeah, like, me too. That's what I told them. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "This is an Asian American, not an Asian like, accent, Asian American like, accent." That, like, yeah, yeah. I'm fine telling people I'm Korean. And I was like, I don't have a problem. I was like, you know, it's for me at least. It's, you're not really hiding it here. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like all of our listeners will know anyway, dude. <laughs> yeah. There's like a very specific group of listeners. They'll all know. Totally. <laughs> and they'll uh, know which part of Asian America you're from. I, know. Yeah, I, like, I, like, I don't know. I, I was like, I can almost guess where you're from. <laughs> where you went to um, high school. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a weird thing because at my campus, the Villanova, there's been some stuff, but I I just think it's it's concentrated in certain campuses. Um, Ivy's New York City, it's big at Penn, right? right? Which is a very 
I think I think I read somewhere it's like the second most Jewish uh, campus in the Ivies, and obviously Harvard has their own stuff. Um, UCLA. Okay, so you and then yeah, the UC has just been a lot of stuff as well. Not um, at, not so much at Berkeley though. You know? Well, it's very one sided at Berkeley. Well, um, no, I mean like there just hasn't been much period at Berkeley really know, compared to what one would think given the given the sort of pedigree right. or the reputation of both the city and the right and the school it's like quite quiet you know um and but is it because there's like no one to argue with because everyone's on the same side no i would dude would not like assume that, that everyone oh, is on the same side really uh, interesting Cal, yeah and i just think that what it was was that they very quickly shut down a lot of stuff and hmm. i think that but i also think it's you know student bodies change like most of the students at cal are studying computer science right and then it's just true. yeah yeah. Um, and the mm-hmm. most popular major by far is some sort of computer engineering thing. And, you know, like that's not the type of profile really that lines up. I don't mean to insult computer science majors here, but I mean, I'm sure that you know as well that, you know, it tends to be a somewhat apolitical. Yeah. Um, well, group. libertarian. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Or even just or just like totally agnostic to yeah, all yeah. politics. Right. And right. so. I think that that's probably why. And also, I think it's probably because these schools are now so hard to get into that, you know, right. people feel very, very, very the risk nerd. aversion. Yeah. yeah, there's a huge risk aversion. And it's not the same population of kids who go to the Ivies where, yeah. you know, maybe there's a little bit of comfort or, you know, I mean, maybe it's a little bit. There's obviously been, there's been a lot of punishment. Um, and I think there have been a lot of people who have self-censored or been censored. Like oh, for censored, sure. Right. Yeah. Um, We're in an era of intense self-censoring right now. It's crazy. That yeah. is affecting literally everybody at every level. And it's like, uh, it's not. I mean, look, I, I think know. about it. I think about it a lot. Um, so at Villanova, we've had some activity. Um, I talked about it to my class, just like I forget one of these. There's been so many like thresholds right that we've crossed. We've crossed, but at some point, I was like, we have to talk about this. I can't just yeah. tell them to watch the news. So we talked about it in class. Um, but of course, I was like, you know, nothing happened. But I was like bracing, you know, for this. How did you present it? I'm curious because it's not directly related to the subject exactly. matter. Exactly. No, class, and I didn't try. Been... Right. I didn't want to yeah. be like, well, remember when we read about, you know. I don't know, like something that happened in the 1880s. Well, this is you know, also in the 1880s was the Zionism. You know, I don't want to be like that. No, let's just let's just get real. We're talking about this because it's in the news, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and uh, but I presented it. I made sure all my sources were basically CNN, you know, the United Nations, just like the most neutral mm-hmm. sources. Mm-hmm. For the most part, my students were just kind of curious. They didn't know what to make of it. I gave them like a very mm-hmm. brief history of Zionism and the. Just like, just like the facts, not even like some ideological critique. Mm-hmm. And they were like, we didn't know any of this. Like, this is so interesting. Um, and even the students were like, you know, maybe parroting some of the talking points about terrorism and self-defense. They were still like, yeah, but this response is crazy. And, mm. um, you know, it, it seems like you should be able to separate anti-Zionism or Zionism from anti-Semitism. Mm. So like, I, I do feel like, 
No, we, that's really, they're very thoughtful. That's, but it's yeah. not, though, because the bar is so low in public no, discourse. But to, I think to make a distinction between yeah. anti I don't even know if the bar is pretty good in, for a student, I think. I, think. I, I sent this article to Tammy. I actually found it quite interesting because it was like, it was uh, this New York Times article about this doctor, cancer researcher, cancer doctor. It seemed like a pretty big deal, right? A guy at uh, NYU Langone. Yeah, yeah. And he had like tweeted fired, all this. Right? Yeah, he got fired for tweeting anti-Hamas stuff, right? Or I don't even know what the term, well, right? Well, term is, but, right? That's what the New right, York right, Times right, called right. it, but yeah. yeah. Right, but, <laughs> but he was fired and I was like, whoa. Right. <laughs> you know, like, it did I seem like I, the first time it went the other way. <laughs> no, no, yeah. But it was like, I was just kind of like, whoa, like, yeah. And, and then, like, I'm sorry, but NYU Langone is not some sort of, like, leftist organization, you know? And no. so it's, just like, like, it's not like Jacobin fired, right. fired their cancer doctor, right? And so it's just like, <laughs> like, it's just like everyone's getting fired now, right? And so um, it just feels like totally off the rails right now. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I no, yeah, like, I don't. I'm I, gonna, like, I get, like, so weird. I'm like. I'm baffled totally. by stuff. I know. Totally. But hey, I think, I don't know. I think most people do think that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism in the United States. <laughs> That's I really thing. do. Really? You, I really, really do think You that. look at these surveys. It's, it's, yeah, I know. I, we go back and forth. I go back and forth but all what the time. Do you, what do you, what are you, what are you equating to anti, as anti-Zionism? Like, I think that like, if you say the state of Israel should not exist and those people should just be dispersed somewhere else. Sure. So that could clearly be construed sure. as anti-Semitic. And if somebody <laughs> said that and somebody was like, that's anti I would, I would be like, okay, like, you know, like, I don't know. That's pretty, that's an intense yeah. thing to say. Right? right. Right. But if you say I criticize, for example, the settlers in the West bank, right. Um, like, do you really think that most, like, that they should not be stealing people's homes? Do you really think that most people in America think that that would be anti-Semitic? Well, I think that's a very, that would be a weird definition of anti-Zionism, I think. So, no, I think you're right on that count with right. regards to the settlers. But I think, um, like, the way, the way you described, like, one anti-Zionist position, I think there are things... Like, it, for instance, critiquing the existence of an ethno-nationalist state on the current Israeli terms of mm -hmm. state construction. Like, I think actually most people think that's anti-Semitic. Yeah. To make that critique. I think, yeah, I think they don't, they don't know, they don't know, they don't think about, I didn't think about this, you know, I, I, I haven't thought about very much, all the sort of sophisticated nuances. So they are been conditioned to think criticism of the state of Israel equals criticism of the Jewish people. The right um, to exist, as it were. But it's like, people, what does yeah. it mean? Because yeah. also Zionism from however many decades ago is not yeah. the Zionism of 67 today. borders, one state, two states. Yeah, all those which sort like, of relates knows, to Jay's you know? thing about, okay, the way that Netanyahu has constructed Zionism right. is to completely eat up all of that land through the settler right. project and to call that part of Zionism. Right. But yeah, so I don't know. Maybe it is because of this kind of mishmash that people... But, right. Right. Yeah. All these definitions are bleeding into one another, right? But right. then, but the, the declaration that anti-Zionism is, or criticism of Israel is anti-Semitic, is also encapsulating the West Bank situation. Do you know what I yes. mean? Like, mm -hmm. like and I... I like yeah. if you, I think that the people who say that, if you said, okay, but can we talk about these West Bank? Like they, a lot of them would just, like, and I know, cause I've seen mm -hmm. these interviews and everything like that. Like, I mean, this has been like, it's basically like a lot of TV 
news has turned into basically, you know, like first take, right? Like it's turned <laughs> into like sports talk radio where people are just yelling at each I other. I know. Let's go. Yeah. These clips keep, I mean, yeah. like Piers Morgan more, keep showing up. Well, I'm Piers like, Morgan is like, at least Piers Morgan yeah. is like talking to comedians. <laughs> well, I mean, one comedian in particular. Yeah. Jay who, loves the Boston Yusuf interview. <laughs> well, he's just like very good at, He's just good. very good at his job. Like, he's very good at articulating yeah. things. And apparently he's like the most popular kid amongst right. people, young people around the world right now. But um, I'm just talking about like every show now has like a Jewish guy and a Palestinian guy screaming at each really? other, you know? And wow. it's just like, it's like, it feels very dystopian in a lot of ways. Uh -huh. But in those moments, they do break down into, and I will not say all, I would not even say the majority of them, but those who take the position that all criticism of Israel is anti-Semitic, that is how it happens. And I would say, I do want to stress mm -hmm. here, it is not even the majority of the, even these screaming shows, right? <laughs> really? But that, but I that, haven't seen the screaming But shows, I do so. think that the position that was put out by the Biden sex press secretary mm -hmm. is akin to the people who are the worst of these people. The on most extreme shows. position. Most yeah, extreme. Yeah. And that's right. what like blew my mind about about all those clips, all those press conferences that she gave where she was just screaming at Rashida Tlaib and every single, like basically every single congressperson of, of color who was in the mm -hmm. Democratic Party, like down the line, you know? She and, called them disgusting, I believe. Yeah, for no, she said she didn't call fire. them disgusting. She said what just, they just had, their, their, their statements were disgusting. For a ceasefire yeah, yeah, yeah. But not them personally. Disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think I, it that's disgusting. Yeah. yeah Nevertheless, yeah. I mean, it was pretty shocking. It was yeah. shocking. I was that shocking. was that was like a big jolt for me in this whole process yeah. where I was right. just like, I can't believe how the rhetoric that is coming out of uh out of the White House, right? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, what how else do you classify it? She is the White House she's speaking communications for Biden. director. She's speaking for Biden. And um her focus seems to be entirely on five people in congress you know right. and just like what what is going on with you, you i know? haven't like, seen her present her representations over the past week or two has it softened absolutely yeah yeah the yeah. last two absolutely weeks not no absolutely has yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what i thought because yeah because they're, they're trying to walk it back numbers. now yeah. yeah right it's yeah and it's because they not, saw the numbers yeah they mm -hmm. saw the numbers and they they shifted and you know to me i'm i'm glad from a humanitarian sense that <laughs> yeah. the rhetoric is softening, but I'm also just like, man, if you're going to make that claim, then at least have the decency to stick by it. You know, don't mm -hmm. just don't say stuff like that and then walk it back because you saw a poll, right? It's embarrassing, right? Like you should be embarrassed by <laughs> This is a press secretary. That's no, but job. like, <laughs> no, I know, I know, but I'm just saying that it, I would, I personally would never be a good press secretary because it's, <laughs> you're just, <all> down. <laughs> Go off but, script. Yeah, but remember when Jay was like advising like the Republicans right. from our yeah. show? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you remember when I was like the world's biggest Sarah Huckabee Sanders exactly. apologist? Because I was just like, you know what? All things considered, she's very good at her job as the president's <laughs> press secretary because she never wavers for her, for her, from her contempt for right. everything, oh my God. you know? Right. 
Sarah Huckabee Sanders would have not wavered from her consistent Republicans have it over Democrats for sure. Yeah, like, well, that's all right, it's day five uh, or it's day 72 <laughs> of the conflict. The polls are a mess, but I don't care about the polls. I just want to come out disgusting. and say, fuck the squad. You know, <laughs> you're all still disgusting to me. <laughs> all you reporters oh spreading gosh. your fake news, you know, get out of here. Like, it been, you know, at least so there would have been a consistency. Fun. I mean, this stuff, it's just so yeah. squishy around the most important things that I just, I don't know. I just find from a personal standpoint, I find it yeah. gross. But obviously, it's better to have softening rhetoric, right? Um, I feel, yeah. I feel yeah. like there's a big split that's generational. And that's been in the polls also, I guess. But um, And I don't, I don't know if it's generational because I used to think it might just be because like media, like they're consuming CNN and we're like, we read the oh. internet and that's mm-hmm. different. But I also kind of wonder... I was, th- I was listening to a podcast that was kind of suggesting this, like the Israel that we know is like the Netanyahu Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all we know yeah. um, of a certain age. But people who are older, um, obviously the coverage towards Israel is a lot more sympathetic in general, but also like the Israel was not like the Likud Israel yet, I guess. It was, it was presented as something that was not as right wing and, you know, fascist and all that stuff. So I've talked to like older, yeah, older people right. who I think, you know, are not are leftist and progressive or whatever but they kind of they're like much more like and i don't i, I didn't want to get too deep in the conversation for you know for fear of what they might say but you know they were like more interested more concerned about like anti-semitism than about like twenty thousand people getting killed and got you know like they were sort of like much more sympathetic to israel um and whereas i feel like people who are like our age and younger are just kind of fixated on the on the deaths that are happening uh, and God. Yeah. So I think there's a there's generational stuff that's happening as, uh, as depressing as it sounds. There's like this, there's a thing that's happening in Gaza and that part of the world. And then there's this like culture war thing happening in our, you know, yeah. our world or the rest of the world that um, is worth paying attention to because that will impact, you know, what happens in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like sometimes you have to step back and be like, this is just another culture war thing, right? Where people are seemingly just like saying stuff without consequence at each other. Well, no, there are no, consequences, I don't think though. So. I think yeah, there are I mean, consequences. people are getting fired. People are getting killed. Yeah. It's like people are getting shot in the back, like the three right, kids right. in, in Vermont. Um, yeah. Vermont. So right. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, and- I agree with your historical analysis. I think I would add to that, that if we think about, for instance, like the kind of Sunrise Movement generation and the way that their politics are formed, to me, it seems like for us and people who came after us, the liberation of Palestine in the same way. I think that like free to bed or something uh-huh. a little bit earlier was <laughs> yeah. sort of a thing. Yeah. What has been kind of like a plank in what it means to be a leftist or a progressive. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. I think that that has kind of ported, you yeah. know, um, and that probably relates to what you were saying about like, yeah, the Israel of Rabin is very different than the Israel of Netanyahu. But I also think there's something about just how, um, yeah, just by chance, that is like the international conflict. I think that has been a piece yeah. of a progressive agenda. Yeah, right. But I don't think it's by chance. I think it's because it has always, you know, there's a reason why Mao is arming the PLO in the 1960s, for example. <laughs> sure. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. always been the. It's always been the. Palestine has always been the metaphor for. Well, um, but I think, like, for instance, when South Africa still had apartheid. Oh yeah, like yeah, that yeah. was above Palestine. You know what I mean? So oh, in yeah, different historical sure, eras, sure. I think right. there are things that will stand out, yeah, and, right. and it just so happens that this is the one. I, I, mean, I, I don't, I don't 
Tammy, you're right that South Africa absolutely was in that Tibet for a while, but Tibet, it almost feels softer. I mean, that one's a little right? bit, exactly. Yeah, it yeah. felt like it was more about, <laughs> but the idea that Tibet didn't incite like a culture war with great consequences here in America is just wrong, right? Like uh, um, there's a journalist at the Wall Street Journal who wrote an entire book about this um, and um, what happened to all the people who made Tibet movies um and oh, a lot wow. of them got blacklisted right like i mean kundun which was martin scorsese's right. big movie yeah. like the story about that was very interesting and so huh. the idea that people didn't face consequences for that is also not true but it's mostly in hollywood where people <laughs> face consequences right yeah. it, wasn't it was necess- such a cultural thing yeah right right because yeah. it was a cultural thing it was like the beastie yeah. boys it was like right, concerts totally. it was stuff like that but, richard Gere and yeah <laughs> right and here we don't quite have that here, this is much more of a street kids social media type of phenomenon. I think so, yeah. And, um, and I do think that the work for that was done earlier because of how much, I mean, you, you know, like 2016, right? You go to a Black Lives Matter organizing meeting in Minneapolis mm-hmm. or somewhere like that or or Oakland or whatever, like mm-hmm. there is much talk at those things about Palestine, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and that's, it was on the Black Lives Matter, like right, top 10 right. things. They thought about Palestine in those movements and those movements in terms of their reach on social media and the amount of ways in which they have sort of captured or been the moral compass for young people because these young mm-hmm. people have grown up and that is a big defining protest movement of their lives, right? Like for us, we had 9-11, we had the anti-war right. stuff. Right. We had, um, yeah. yeah, we we even had like uh, ACT UP, we had, we had gay activism as well, right? Um, but for young people, they've grown up with this one big protest movement, right? And um, that thing was very infused with pro-Palestinian messaging and so it's not that surprising that um, that they would take to it so quickly. I think I'm for the first time I'm beginning to kind of understand what the Vietnam War was like in the U.S. in the context mm-hmm. of because I think Vietnam might be even a better analogy than Iraq and Afghanistan because those were pitched as the United States right was personally attacked and therefore we and but a yeah. lot of the same rhetoric here I think is the rhetoric of Vietnam which is like this is part of the world yeah. that shouldn't concern us so why are we getting involved in supporting one right, side and, and all that stuff. Don't you think it's different no, because people were being sent to Vietnam to die, right? Like sure, that's... yeah. So this is more about weapons, yeah. right? Um, right. But but and but also like the Vietnam War was is it's almost like those things we read about and and you get this impression you had to be there to understand it. Where people who weren't like radical leftists were like openly against the Vietnam War and making it their like political thing. Where in a way where I feel like this has a potential to politically galvanize. Or just like, you know, have people speak out who are not themselves leftists. Mm-hmm. They're just like humanitarians or like, or who, yeah. who who might temporarily criticize American imperialism, even though they otherwise don't care about it, you know? Um, I know. So I, kind of, a... I think Vietnam might be a, something I've begun to think about as, you know. I one... think that's right. We Yeah, like the, the uh, we talked about this with Jamie, but Writers Against the War on Gaza, the thing right. that Jamie and I are both involved with, like we... We modeled ourselves after the American writers against the Vietnam War. Yeah. So we are kind of wanting to study some of the, the sort of street and cultural front um, movements against Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Precisely, I think for that reason, because there are these strong analogies. Um, 
similarly, I think during Vietnam, like there was incredible repression and retaliation against the people who did come out at the same time that new people were entering political activism. Yeah. Yeah. The abiding question politically over the next 10 months or whatever is whether. Right. If this conflict intensifies, whether we're going to relive 1968 in the United States and the great argument against it, which is, you know, that basically we're not sending people's friends and family members off to go die in, in Gaza. And so it's different. Right. But I would argue that the world is very different now in terms of connectedness to use a Silicon Valley term (laughs) and that people will feel a personalized nature of a international conflict if it's broadcast them to enough to them in a personalized way. And so, um, when people are watching the footage of the My Lai massacre over and over and over and over again, right? And mm. new ways, uh, dead children, dead children, you know, and it's, I, I don't really think that this is even like a question of what side you're on, right? I mean, they're yeah. dead children. They're dead, they're dead children on those kibbutzes, right? Like it's crazy yeah. to say there weren't. Definitely. Like people have yeah, seen yeah. that footage, right? They're dead children. Um, you know, there are dead young people at that rave or the, you yeah. know, the music festival yeah. and there are thousands of dead children in Gaza. And that it might personalize it in a way where people are activated in a way in which they might not need that personal connection that somebody that they know has been sent off to a war that they don't support, right? Yeah. Now, I personally just think that you kind of still need to send somebody you know to off to war to generate the amount of discord cord that was in 1968 Uh but man if this thing is still going on when the dnc happens next year like we're gonna have the protests people are gonna protest joe biden people are gonna protest the democratic party um and people that parallels 1968 will just happen because everyone will just say this is 1968 again (laughs) and it'll be kind of like worded into existence right and that um I mean, I don't know, peace but, activists yeah. did a, a small protest outside the DNC, I think one and a half weeks ago, week ago, right, and right. the Capitol Police like bashed their heads, sprayed right, them. Right. I mean, it was right. vicious. Yeah. But Jade, where do you think people are seeing this? Because outside of social media, do you think it's on TV or like the newspapers? Right. So that's my, I wonder if it's like yeah, it's those, those on social media are seeing it, but those who are on social media are not seeing it. And that might also... Um, cause like the whole, like Miley Masker, like that whole story was the three main networks were showing this stuff right? right? and everyone right. watches the three main networks at the time today. Right. I don't know what unified mm-hmm. media e- ecology to use another term, like ecos, whatever media sphere that people are a part of, mm-hmm. um, what, like, I think obviously like we and our friends will all watch to consume the same types of internet stuff. Well, Tammy said she hadn't seen much. I of don't. It. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been avoiding but, the footage, by the way, because once it does pop up on your timeline, it just like I just like personally like yeah. Compared to like when I didn't have kids, I think it like bums me out so much. Oh yeah, you know? no, it's yeah. traumatizing to see. I mean, yeah, I don't know. So what, and maybe that's too strong of a word, but like, I mean, it fucks me up totally. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, I I don't know. I I do think that I think that so. Very interesting note here, which is that the New York Times published a column by Lydia Polgreen, which uh, I thought was a good column, you know, and Lydia was basically arguing there needs to be some accounting for 
the images of dead children that are coming out. And she talked about one in particular, which was of six dead girls, right? Young girls. They're all under a blanket. And it almost looks like they're at a sleepover. And she was talking about this photo. And the Times made this very interesting argument. And, you know, I should just whatever, put disclosure. I used to work there. I know all these people, right? And Katie Kingsbury, who is the editor of the opinion section, wrote a letter about what how they decided to deal with this photo of six dead children and what they did was they cropped the photo off right as their faces were starting which i thought was a very interesting decision and look that's not an easy decision to make and i actually don't want to criticize the decision as it was made i would have shown the 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 photo myself all all the faces yeah Yeah. i would have shown it but you know like i'm like uh show everything see everything type of person and I don't think a lot of people are. I actually don't fault people for not being it because, like, it's actually yeah. quite devastating. <laughs> they would be so criticized for doing they that. Definitely have no interest in doing that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, in the age of you content think they would warnings. have been criticized for that? Um, True warnings, very, content warnings, all very, that stuff. Oh yeah, well, I you know how I feel about that. Stuff. <laughs> you know how I feel about that stuff. <laughs> right. Like, like grow up. You know, <laughs> children are being killed. You should see it. You know, like you know, like look at like look at these kids. Um, yeah, but, I, mean, I think there are, there right. are layers, right? Like I read the papers every day and, you know, and so I see the, those images, I, but I'm definitely not going those, to Twitter. Those to images aren't published, that crazy, right? published one at the New Yorker, um, oh. in David's piece, you know, there's a Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, page, but, so yeah. what, what appears in mainstream magazines and newspapers, yeah. like I definitely consume, but I think like you're seeing much more graphics. Oh yeah, no, I've yeah. seen, I've, I can't even and describe And I think people who spend all, all day on Twitter are seeing much more graphics yeah, totally. than I am seeing. Yeah. yeah, or uh, like te- these Telegram channels, which are or just, Telegram, yeah, or right. yeah, I, yeah, I'm not seeing any of that. I, I have a I friend mean, who's who's told me that they want to watch Al Jazeera at all, at all times because they don't want to, you know, they don't want to like they feel like it's their responsibility to like bear witness and that kind of thing, which I totally is Al Jazeera showing my, a bunch of dead children. I assume yeah. it's much more explicit, okay. right? Yeah, um, Al Jazeera. I mean, yeah, thank okay. God for Al Jazeera and right. my former employer, right lovely place but yeah they're showing really intense stuff yeah. too and i'm like and, more know, more right. power to you i totally admire yeah. you for doing that i don't think i could function if i I'm not sure what, watch that yeah. stuff um yeah it's and- really fucked me up i've been getting in a lot of like uh weird altercations and i i don't think it's because of this i always get in weird altercations <laughs> but like but I, it, I have i've i've been it's kind of fucked me up to spend so much time yeah, seeing Jay, dead I'm, children I but it's like, but I do think that, you know, I do think that the press should be publishing these things. Right. And, yeah. but I did understand why Katie made that decision. And she wrote like a note that was perfectly reasonable. Okay. Similarly, this is what my piece is about. Um, I think I can talk about it cause it will definitely be out by then. Similarly, right. Like there's a qu- lady opposes this question and it was one that was answered quite quickly was that like, well, why don't we show, dead children from school shootings then Hmm. right like um and the washington post put out this big story where they had foia'd uh done public records acts and gotten a lot of photos from law enforcement of these mass shooting scenes not not just school shootings but mass shootings and Hmm. it was all under the pretense oh this is these are all done by ar-15s and this is the you should see the Hmm. destruction of the ar-15 yeah. And they also chose mostly, except for two exceptions, to not show dead bodies. Um, and one of them was like kind of like a, a very, like a cell phone photo of what the field looked like after the Las Vegas shooting. And it was, I mean, it's, it's horrific, but it's also like, 
adults and it's also taken from so far away that it's hard to really see what it is. But they got photos from Uvalde and they decided to just publish like blood on the classroom floors, which in itself was awful to see. Sure. You know, but they did publish one photo of body bags in Uvalde. And that one was like, you know, but but it it really is a real question, I think. right? Like, why do we sanitize this stuff and do media organizations have a are they like pretending that there is a world that doesn't exist are they pretending they're in a world that doesn't exist anymore by saying Mm -hmm. that we will be the filter when that filter doesn't really exist all you have to do is create a twitter account and you can see all of it you know i don't think that they should be showing these lunatics who live stream themselves shooting up mosques or schools or whatever right Mm -hmm. but um i don't know i i do think that that question is I don't know. I think it's one that no, should this... be discussed much more. I don't think it should just be this like sense yeah. that you don't show dead kids because we've just spent the past six weeks, all, not we, but like, you know, a lot of us have spent the past six weeks seeing dead kids. But all I the think time. that's a minority. Yeah. A, yeah. It's a yeah I mean, is this a, well, yeah, I think that's true. But also, is this a different way of having the conversation, the old media critique conversation around, um, you know, show feeling okay showing basically like black and brown? like, you know, bodies and being okay with having that violence out there. But if it's people in the United States or, you know, white, basically white or, or sort of culturally white um, populations, we don't do that as much. I mean, that's like a longstanding thing that we've always talked about, right? Like like, Ukraine, for example, although we've seen a lot of carnage from Ukraine. That's true. We have. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I'll check that out. You know, like Sondag basically wrote that essay, which I cited in an earlier thing that I wrote that I now I think I just disagree with because of the way in which the footage of these children has really politicized so many people Um, where she was like, well, all I can do is shock, but it can't reveal anything, but it has revealed something, right? Like it, we really did think for many years of that, bombings and shellings were abstract mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. that like that was the whole basis of the iraq of the gulf war the first iraq war right? yeah, yeah basically well look at these cool ass missiles going all over the place right like mm-hmm. but you, know, you don't show the aftermath of that yeah and now we're seeing the aftermath of it right and i, I do think that that's that has changed the way that people think about these things like these yeah. shellings or this you know missile fire or whatever like it's not abstract anymore yeah so much of the I argument yeah, well, I was just going to say on, on Sontag, I do think, like, I agree with her, though, with regards to a dulling effect. But but yeah, I do wonder what she would say, given the media that we have now versus the media she was talking about, especially because she most of that stuff, I think, was around Bosnia. But um, right. yeah, I, I do wonder. I don't know what she would say about TikTok videos and Instagram videos and things. Right, Sorry, or, Andy, self, you were or no, cell phone and surveillance. Or footage, cell phone. Yeah. Totally the, the other thing as well, the context for this is the justification from the Israel side is that not just that Palestinian or Hamas k- killed Israelis, but that their version mm-hmm. of killing was like qualitatively worse mm-hmm. than the kind of killing that Israel does. Like it's more barbaric. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, beheading and all that stuff. It's basically a, very much yeah. a callback to like, to me it's very bizarre because, um, you know, I, I like, it just felt like a callback to the 19th century, the way that they were talking about yeah. civilized and uncivilized. The Huns and all this, right? Yeah, it was like, crazy. And it was just like, 
it, it still gets repeated and to maybe your point like maybe most people at this point are sick of it but this was like the basic this is the basic you know uh a selling point on for the war on israel side that the october 7th killings were not just your normal killings, right? They're like mm-hmm. they're worse than normal killings. They're more barbaric. Uh, they, normal, I mean, right? in, in, look, I don't want to be. I mean, they were barbaric killings. Sure, right? but like, if the Israel, like, I mean, they if were. It, but if the bombings are also barbaric, right? Yeah. Right. No, I I don't think that there's a huge gap. I think in terms of morally, bombing an apartment building full of children, knowing you're going to kill all of them. But I do think that sort of saying that they're fully equivalent and that people won't have any distinctions when they hear the descriptions or watch the videos of, I mean, these are, you know, these are people, some of the Hamas fighters were dragging children out and just shooting them in the back of the head and stuff. I mean, that stuff is terrible, you know, sure. and it right. is barbaric. Right. And so, and I but do I think, think Andy, like to Andy's point though, I do think that, and, and we, I, I would say in the media are participating and furthering this, like even the language we use to describe that, like, like those, kinds of descriptions around barbarism and stuff like that, they really only do appear in the way that they describe the Hamas fighters' actions. Uh, you don't feel like there's been descriptions of this like indiscriminate bombing that have been have used language like barbaric and things like that? I don't. Or genocide? No. I think that those have been, Well, I think genocide, is, yeah, I would say like maybe that's there's different, that. but just in the, right. in the actual descriptions of the... Right, that's like a very serious the, term that's been leveraged. Yes, right? but the when you say the barbaric killings, to me, that's like more... It's like personalizing the actions of those people. Um, yeah. So I think that that's a fair criticism of the way that that is described, even yeah. though, of course, the outcomes are the same. I feel well, like, I don't yeah. Know. yeah, I, I guess think, I, uh, I, I think I just disagree that... I do think that there is some distinction between uh, that, not a moral distinction in terms of the end result. Right. Sure. But I do think that one can be more that one can watch that type of footage and feel a type of anger that uh, that is directly tied to the actions that they're witnessing. But I also think that when you see the aftermath of these bombings, that if you feel like, that one side is righteous and the other side is fully condemned because of that, then that's where it falls apart for me. Right. Right. Like uh, like that's where it falls apart where it's just like, Oh, you actually like all we did was bomb them and they died quickly. Like that's crazy. Right. 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 right, right. Like, um, I think the, yeah, I think the comparison as justification is, um, the comparison or the hierarchy between like one is a better version of killing versus another is what's what kind of stood out to me. Um, and yeah, if you think about the consequences of bombing, like that is also going to dismember bodies and lead right. to like, and plus the psychological terror and all that stuff. So I don't know. I would, without looking at it too closely, I would just say like, let's just say both are bad, you know, but I don't <laughs> I know. Mean, you yes. might disagree, but you might disagree and say one is more barbaric than the other. I think that kind of, well, I think that kind of ranking, saying, that kind of ranking yeah. is dangerous. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I don't think that we should rank the killing of kids. I guess the thing that makes me uncomfortable, I think, and I don't, Tammy, I don't actually think you were saying this, but I've heard it from some people on the left, which is that the idea that trying to downplay some of what happened on October 7th or pretend like it didn't exist, sure. you right. know, like that's the part where I'm just like, okay, yeah, right. we can't launch an actual critique if you're going to lie about this. And if you're going to have zero understanding of why people were Right. Why people? Why there is like this? Like why there is such a strong response? Right? Like no, um, totally. And I, yeah, I mean, and um, I think like as the piece that you mentioned that David Rumnick wrote, you know, I think he does 
a good job of, of describing the horrific video that he, you know, of that, those attacks that, are that those, he saw. Are those, um, sorry. Oh no, all I was good. But I think what at what Andy's initial point raised and what I have had trouble with is that when when you see all of these articles and they only use barbarism to describe the actions of Hamas, what that does to me that's less about um sort of establishing a hierarchy of like, you know, the children who died. It's more about imputing a certain different levels of humanity to the people involved on on the uh, to the two sides like i'm not saying i'm not i do not i'm not a hamas supporter <laughs> i just mean that um you know what i mean it's like sure. arabs are capable of a certain kind of brutality that like sure. jews and christians are not like to me that's and that was the sort of 18th and 19th century kind of like war like descriptions yeah, that right. i think andy is alluding sure. to and um i think certain of our colleagues have been yeah. irresponsible in their diction um I do think that those types of distinctions are important to remember at times like this, that we shouldn't forget the ways in which these things are typically, where different types of people are typically portrayed through the media. We had 30 years, basically the three of us, our entire lives of hearing people in the Middle East be described in these types of ways. And it did a lot of damage in terms of what we think about how the possibilities of of what's happening, but I I do think that the um, I do think that the way in which those things have power has been diluted a bit just by the and this is what I say all the time, right? Just by the <laughs> loosening your... grip of yeah, the mainstream yeah. media on the yeah. public, and um, and I don't think that people are watching this conflict and only thinking one side are, is barbaric, right? Um, at least for people yeah. around. I think a lot are. Yeah. I think a lot are. Really? Yeah. I don't know. For sure. I don't think so. Where? I don't know. A lot of people still support uh, the war, still are against the ceasefire. That's true. Right. I agree. Yeah. But I mean, I don't think that it's like something where it is the type of response that we had during the Gulf War, right? Where you had no, it's not that. Mass mobilization and I guess support. just reading, I don't know. I've had this thought a lot, which is or like. the war in Afghanistan, right? right. Although no, I guess like the. I guess like the number of Congress people that support them, it's like I know, similar. right? Well, then there's that whole disconnect, right? Yeah, the yeah. I know, I but know. yeah, but you don't have like it's not like the 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 support for the war in Afghanistan after the after nine eleven was quite full throated by the right, 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 right. right. Um, I feel like they were trying to rerun that, you know, like two months mm-hmm. ago with like censuring Rashida Tlaib and all that, and they kind of realized it really because people have begun to now call for ceasefire. Yeah, that's interesting. So I think yeah. they're they were thought we could just do another nine eleven or another Afghanistan on this one. Um, I don't know. I think. <laughs> oh man. I think you know. There's that like Chappelle has this joke about sometimes you see something so racist, you you like you're not even mad. You're just like, wow, that was racist. Like I've, I've had <laughs> there's this, there's these moments where you're just like, this isn't that complicated. Like th- this person who's talking just clearly thinks one group of people's lives matter more than yeah. the other groups of people's lives, and it's like you're almost like just kind of find it remarkable that people in the 21st century could talk this way. Um, and I feel like that has that is. Um, you know, people aren't necessarily saying it that directly or overtly, but if you kind of follow the logic of the reasoning for supporting mm-hmm. the war, supporting like rooting out Hamas and why it's okay to kill so many innocent people along the way, then that kind of is what they're saying, right? And you're just yeah. sort of like, I don't think there's any way around this other than a sort of like blanket or a sort of underlying racism, right? A sort of mm-hmm. devaluing of one group of people's lives. And like, I don't, 
you know, I don't like yeah. like white supremacy or whatever as an explanation for how a lot of this stuff works, but sometimes it does just kind of come off that way um, in the way that people compare the two sides um, and, and just kind of see, just kind of view one side as like inherently wrong or, or yeah. less valuable than the other. So that's like, that's been the surprising takeaway that I thought it would actually be more sophisticated <laughs> in a lot so of our ways. political. Yeah. Our, yeah. Our, our elected officials have certainly. There's um, those, but also like commentators, like honestly, like right. very fancy academics who I thought would know better. Right. But again, it might be a generational thing or just like, uh-huh you know, kind of showing their ass, uh, mm-hmm. on, on don't, this don't issue. Don't you feel the highest concentration though, Andy? Don't you think it is in elected officials in the United States though? Like that's where the biggest disconnect, at least to me is like, I, I actually, I like, I think that there's a lot to criticize about the media coverage or whatever, sure. but I think that overall, like it's been far more sympathetic than one would have expected. That's yeah. Which is zero sympathy. Right? A lot of really like even like CNN and stuff. I mean, yeah. yeah, CNN had like a whole, their international correspondent had this whole viral monologue about, you know, about civilian deaths and, yeah, Gaza. She went. I know they certainly have went, good people. She almost there, went further but... than I would. <laughs> you know? Where I was just like, "Whoa, this is on <laughs> CNN." <laughs> you know? I think um, in the main, I would say like, I mean, I, I'm obviously not a regular CNN watcher, but right. I think from what I've what I've seen or been made aware of, it seems like there are really extraordinary correspondence but right the general arc of the coverage the Tappers and the yeah. anderson coopers right? very one-sided but they would know. have absolutely not allowed those people to speak sure fair ever, enough right? that's the thing people who follow this much longer have said they're actually yeah very heartened by the coverage yeah. and my maybe i'm just because i'm obviously like a latecomer to a lot of stuff i'm just like i have the opposite reaction but i'm like oh okay. know, right maybe wow. maybe this is better than normal but Oh, Maybe way my- better than normal. Do you, know, do you <laughs> not remember? You don't remember like the coverage of nine. I I don't know, Andy. You're a little bit younger than me and Tammy. No, but so I maybe. think Andy was talking about Israel Palestine. Yeah, but nine eleven is different, you know. Um, but you don't like, remember. You don't remember the Gulf War, for example. Like, I was you don't, yeah, no, I was seven. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you're a little too young for that. That was awful. That was crazy. It's what you said earlier, Jay, with the Schwarzkopf propaganda and right. all that. I mean, it that was, stuff was crazy. Like right, you know, right, like there's that whole Baudrillard book, the Gulf War did not exist, right? Like. I mean, you can read that like he's not over. I mean, that book is kind of silly and stupid, but like he's not overstating how much of the Gulf War propaganda in America was an advertisement. It was like Mm -hmm. basically Mm -hmm. Madison Avenue and it was about showing off these shiny new weapons and tanks and and Patriot missiles and. Here's like Storm and Norman Schwarzkopf coming, you know, like he had like a, such a action, he had like an action figure, you know, <laughs> like it was well, fucking crazy. That, as you were saying, as we all know their names, I mean, it's like, that's right. so yeah, yeah. Wild. Um, my, my mom was a reservist army reservist then, and we were pretty sure she was going to go Whoa. or have to go because okay. everyone around her was going like all these reservists were getting called up around Tacoma and wow. it was and so the disconnect between that and that fear, she ended up not getting called. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you were seeing on TV, we were just like, it was so stressful and yeah, crazy, was, you know? It was crazy. Yeah, it was, it was like, you know, like in like post 9-11, we, the, there's obviously famously like victory cabbage and stuff like that. That was nothing. That was that. nothing compared to the Gulf War propaganda. Like you know, like that was almost like really? a joke. I find that hard yeah. to believe. Wow. Yeah. No, no, it was wild. <laughs> I mean, it was like 
basically nobody knew why the war was happening, but everybody right. had basically just decided to support yeah, it. It's like nobody right. had even nobody even knew what Kuwait was. Right. I certainly didn't know what mm-hmm. Kuwait was as a young child right. in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I was like, what is Kuwait? Right. Like, oh, this Saddam guy seems kind of bad, you right. know. And yeah, like, know. oh, there's this song that just keeps coming on the radio. I'm proud to be American. Oh my god. <laughs> so compared to that man like this is like like we're basically living in yeah. like kfc or whatever like pacifica radio of, you know, <laughs> kfc <laughs> kpfa right yeah pacifica, KPFA, oh pacifica radio of, of uh yeah that's actually the you know the only remnant right. of berkeley's radical past is that they play that all day long there's that a whole radio hilarious. station oh, really? that it, we still get it yeah they all, what they do is they play amy goodman yeah some people have said you know for people who've covered or studied or followed palestine israel all their life this is the most pro-palestine they've ever seen it mm-hmm. um yeah and yeah that's i i, I can't i can't judge that but that's been kind of remarkable to mm-hmm. to learn that um yeah the bars mm-hmm. i think the bar was always super low the uh the biggest restaurant chain in philly you probably know this tammy um is run by an american his name is michael solomonov but he's like very clearly like pro-israel and yeah. in the recent few years um there's these articles about him and a Palestinian chef. Um, I was just going right? to say, yeah. In Philly and how they like bread, they broke bread and they like got over the differences by cooking each other's food. And then, and the times actually ran an article recently about how they're not talking. Exactly. <laughs> and they realized that gonna... like eating each other's food doesn't actually solve these things. And it's probably better. They're not talking. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. But they're just, yeah. So, um, yeah, I just thought, I thought, I thought it was funny. I mean, I it's know, like sad, was, but it's also pretty funny. Article. Yeah. <laughs> Like, did you think that was going to solve the problems of the world? I know. <laughs> yeah. oh, God. oh my God. I feel there like we've laughed so much, much today, that. even though this is really dark stuff, but it's actually feels good to laugh. There's not, there hasn't been too much of that stuff, huh? What's I stuff? think it's because it's too fucked up to do that type of stuff. To do what you stuff? Know, like, bit. oh, here's a Palestinian person, here's a Jewish person, or here's an Israeli, and they're, you know, they live side by side in this suburb of Detroit and um you know they've managed to overcome every night they have dinner <laughs> well, not together. not now but I'm sure before this there were more No but I think no, like no, during I mean, this like, war like during that the, like, type of human interest story has not No really they're always that. like actually this is tearing apart you know Jewish families yeah. is tearing apart like black white friends or whatever like POC That's white why friends. I'm, I'm yeah, yeah it's yeah, too yeah. fucked up you can't yeah, do yeah, that that's right, yeah. you can't yeah, do yeah, that yeah. story at the it'll, very it'll very beginning of October crazy. they had a couple of those and then I think they, they were like oh wait no yeah, no, wait, no, no 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 we can't do we, <laughs> we can't no. run these anymore yeah, yeah. or yeah. like some local TV news station was like man we had nine of these lined up but we're just gonna rebooking we're gonna have to kill all of them actually they're not talking or like you know like we yeah. can't run this are you crazy like it's in poor taste yeah, yeah exactly thank god for the local news producers uh, god <laughs> bless oh my god tv news producers it's a very very hard and thankless such life. a hard job well um okay so a reminder to everybody this wednesday we're gonna have this book club um if you're part I of the, guess Discord, the day this comes will... out right is that yeah, yeah, Once, tonight yeah. and we at eight o'clock, and you can get links to it. Andy, thank you for coming back on the show. It's always Yay. a pleasure. Yeah. Have Great you noticed you while looking into the screen that you and Tammy have the exact same colored wall? 
I didn't know where you're gonna go oh, with this. Oh, that's uh, so funny. Yeah, it's like you're sitting in the same room. That bluish. Like, well, that brownish shirts on. Then we have yeah, black. No, but the wall Asian color faces. is identical. What is the it wall color? It actually does look really blue similar. and white. Yeah. No, no, but what is the that what's blue that, color? What's the shade of that blue? No, yeah, I don't know. I didn't no, paint I this house. It's really funny. I, should I get a wall of my house? <laughs> <laughs> should I paint the back here of my basement that will <laughs> yeah, <they're> all, <laughs> all match? Um, yeah, and then uh, let's see, we're gonna have two more episodes with Tammy, and then Tammy is gonna go off and write her book and uh, and and mm. think very hard about the world, right? <laughs> I hope so, Jay. I hope so. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then we will continue. I will continue the show, but um, it's still going to take me a little bit to figure out exactly how to describe what the show will be going forward. But I do have some ideas, but it's not going to be anything that is a big departure from what we have done. And obviously, Tammy and Andy will still be on from time to time. Yeah. Um, Whenever they want to come back, obviously, I will be thrilled to have them back. (laughs) If there are Pod squad concerns, episodes reunion yeah, if there's rumors swirling amongst our tiny group of listeners there is you know this is not some sort of uh gigantic contract dispute falling or something out, falling out contract or something like dispute. that it's just that a podcast takes a lot of time and um three years three and a half years long time three and a half years it's a very long time and so older uh, than your guys's second children i know yeah yeah i mean well my kid is so young that it's you know <laughs> that's true it's it's yeah like i don't know what the proper thing but is. yeah frankie and, and mika were so young when we started yeah i know well no they're like Teeny, they didn't we live in, in, the in the house we lived in a house that she doesn't remember at this point Aww. which is wild but yeah my Aww. frankie doesn't remember any of the oh that's right you were airbnb it at the time yeah, she didn't and remember any of that. There was a bird's nest, the... yeah. That's so nuts. It's, it is interesting with the kids their age exactly, like when they remember the second part of the pandemic, but not the first part of the pandemic. Oh, wow. It yeah. might be interesting to try and figure out how they process it. But I don't think that, like she's aware of what COVID is. Now, yeah. Something happened, mm-hmm. but there's no, and that kid, she that people wore masks in school for a long time and now right. they don't. Uh-huh. Right. Um, but that's about it. I think that's the extent of the understanding of it. And so I think that's good. I mean, the kids I really worry about are the kids who are like 14 or 13 or 12 when it started. And then, you know, like all these formative years are spent. Or grad students. Socialized. (laughs) I don't feel bad for the grad students. (laughs) They have never felt bad for a grad student. (laughs) Two years years of coursework. (laughs) Unless, unless what happened to them had something that was completely unrelated to their grad student work, you're, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> My sympathies for grad students is very limited. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel much worse for the 12 year old kids who are like, like, oh man, my, you know, like I'm just sitting with my mom in this house now and she keeps oh crying. God, that type of thing. <laughs> that oh, no. yeah. The grad students were fine. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, uh, if you would like to subscribe to the show, um, you can subscribe at goodbye.substat.com or patreon.com slash TTSG pod. 
And if you'd like to contact us for any reason, it is time to say goodbye pod at gmail.com. Um, Andy and Tammy, thank you for being on. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye.